Strikers Bear Family Fun Center Studios. Pat Cook, Greg Pogue, John Burton right here. Ryan Callahan, Go Balls 24-7. Ryan Callahan 24-7 with us. Uh, Ryan, good morning. How you doing, man? Hey, doing well. How are you guys? I'm doing all right. About to lose my voice, which might help on a show like this. Uh, <laughs> He's but playing to, hurt today, right? Uh, they're just throwing money around over there in Knoxville, right? Uh, Hypo up to $9 million through, um, what, 2029? Danny White, the AD, $2.2 million up there with that this week, and he has a rolling six-year uh, deal. So uh, uh, the uh, the Golden Goose has arrived in Knoxville. Good work if you can get it, right? <laughs> we need to see if any of that, that money is going to come our way uh, here, here at GoVolf 24-7. Something tells me it won't. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Noah – Big big week for Tennessee to get those those two done. Uh, obviously, a, a pretty hefty raise for Josh Heupel, but that's you know a couple things on that. Sort of just the cost of doing business in the SEC now. If you've got any kind of successful coach, uh, we've seen Shane Beamer and Eli Drinkwitz get uh, pretty good raises, and, and they're now pretty well paid as well, even in the middle tier uh, of SEC coaching salaries. Um, you, you've seen, obviously, uh, the, the four SEC coaches who are still higher paid than Josh Heupel already making a, a ton of money. So this puts him just in that competitive range at $9 million a year, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, it's just sort of when you have a coach who's, who's shown any, any level uh, of success, you've got you to expect to pay up that way. So I think a, a smart move by Tennessee to go ahead and reward Heupel for that. Um, without at the same time, without doing anything too, too irresponsible, I would say, in terms of the buyout, which is always the key number, it looks like Tennessee has a, a an easier path to getting out of that contract if anything were to go sideways in the coming years than, say, Jimbo Fisher, who's still owed uh, uh, just tons of money that mm. Texas A&M ever wants out of that one. So uh, so a good, good job by, by Tennessee, I think, to, to go ahead and pay him, even though that sounds like a lot of money and he's now more than doubled his initial salary at Tennessee. Uh, Danny White, you know, it's a, it's a high salary for an athletic director, but you can't say he doesn't uh, warrant that given the early results he's gotten at Tennessee. They've already won six SEC championships in his first two years on campus. Um, some of that stuff he inherited, obviously, uh, that has just continued to go well since he arrived. But uh, the bottom line has improved. They're selling more football tickets. Donations have gone up. Um, fundraising has always been kind of his thing, uh, and he's continued that at Tennessee. So uh, not not every move, like most ADs, has been extremely popular, but every move he's made has, has resulted in a, in a better bottom line for Tennessee. So not surprising to see them reward him, but certainly, as you said, that rolling contract that he now has, pretty sweet uh, setup for an athletic director to know that you've always got a, a five-year deal, essentially, uh, that's going to continue to roll over from one year to the next. And to add to that, Ryan, just the fact that, you know, I think it's worth the money just to have stability, peace in the valley up there in Knoxville because the athletic department always seemed to be under some kind of chaos, you know, whether it was with the football program, the basketball program, which coaches to hire, you know, sanctions, NCAA rules, violations, all this type of stuff. It feels like for the first time in quite a while that there's stability and, and you know, tranquility i guess for lack of a better word in the tennessee athletic department yeah and and, it, and let's let's be real it, it all started with with danny white because uh with the hiring of danny white because he he goes out and makes the at, at the time underwhelming looking hire of, of josh heupel who he had worked with at ucf 
and uh, and people kind of questioned that move a little bit at first, weren't sure he was the, the proven winner that Tennessee needed, and that, that move has worked out like a charm so far. Uh, Heupel obviously has Tennessee at a level it's not been at since the Phillip Fulmer era coming off an 11-win season. And when, when football's healthy, everything else tends to be healthy at Tennessee. Uh, but, yeah, he, he as you said, it's, it's a big deal to have stability there. It's a big deal that they seem to have a, a, a winning football coach that doesn't have any desire to go anywhere else right now. Uh, and it's a big deal that they have an athletic director who seems to have everything kind of going in the same direction right now. And, and, uh, and, and really a lot of sports thriving under his watch. Um, which, again, he inherited a lot of the coaches that are running those programs, but still has, has already, already made some hires and, and has made some moves, frankly, to kind of put his stamp on some of those programs. Um, so I, I think he's he's done a – you have to say he's done a good job so far, and, you know, only time will tell if that holds up. We've seen some Tennessee ADs that were pretty popular two years in, and that changed. But I, I think the, the fact that Tennessee has taken this step to go ahead and reward him that way is certainly indicative of the – the, the level of support he has right now and just the stability throughout the athletic department. Well, and, you know, obviously you mentioned throughout the athletic department, baseball is uh, mm-hmm. heading to possibly an all-time high, certainly last year, although it didn't end the way they wanted to do, did not get to the College World Series. But, uh, and then football, you mentioned men's basketball right now, although he didn't hire Rick Barnes is where it is and the, all the other sports as well. So, the thing is, you brought something up that got me thinking about it because it just sort of simmers in the background until it bubbles up. Where is the NCAA investigation? Where are we with all that? Yeah, still, still in sort of a negotiation phase, I, I guess I would uh, would say right now. It sounds like you know that there was a lot of talk about that on the Alabama side of things. I've gotten multiple questions lately from people in the state of Alabama because. There's some serious interest on the Alabama end, at least from fans, and, and then perhaps within the program too, in Jeremy Pruitt joining Nick Saban's staff. And people are wondering if that's a possibility, given that a lot of people have expected him to get a show cause uh, from the NCAA as a result of that investigation. So uh, the the bottom line is it's not over yet. Um, all that's still being sort of wrapped up right now. The NCAA was um, thought to, to be responding within 60 days to Tennessee's response back in late November. That, that date has now come and gone without a response from the NCAA, but we believe that's because uh, there's still some back and forth there between Tennessee and the NCAA. Um, the thought is that maybe Tennessee can sort of take one of the extra rounds of this back and forth uh, off of the, uh, off the schedule for the, for the, for the rest of this uh, process if they can sort of come to an agreement with the NCA on a resolution um, sooner as opposed to having to go before the board and, and all of that for a final hearing with the NCAA, um, the, the, the Committee on Infractions, that they would just go ahead and, and sort of come to an agreement on wh- where this ends up as opposed to having another round of this and, and having to wait things out through the spring. But we'll, we'll see how much longer this plays out. Um, there, there's at least a chance we hear something in February, I think, but, uh, but it may still be a while longer as they sort of figure out where this all ends up. But Tennessee's done a lot already to, to, to sort of anticipate the penalties the NCAA might have in mind. They've done a lot of self-imposed uh, scholarship restrictions and other, uh, other limitations in, in recruiting and elsewhere to, to kind of uh, mitigate some of that and, and sort of throw themselves at the feet of the NCAA. So I think they feel they've prepared themselves as well as they can, but the NCAA still might – might have some ideas of some additional penalties and that, that may be where there's some back and forth on exactly what Tennessee can expect and, 
and, and sort of where the two parties can come to an agreement on what's next. Ryan Callahan is our guest. Go Vols 24-7. Ryan, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, no, go Ryan, ahead. Uh, just going to transition. Last night, Lady Vols and uh, UConn, and although I think Kelly Harper, jo- Kelly Jolly Harper, I knew her when she was Kelly Jolly, um, that you, uh, they're just not ready for that level. And I thought a little shot taken, LSU coach Kim Mulkey saying, no way should LSU ever beat the Lady Vols. Eh? So, anyway. What'd she say? Yeah. Did you see that, Ryan? I did see that. That's, uh, that's that was Kim, a... Kim's playing games, right? Yeah, yeah, Ryan? Oh, yeah. Oh, Come yeah. on. Oh, yeah. you know, Kim, Kim's yeah. been doing this a while, no? Yeah, yeah, no, no question. Now, I, and Kim, yeah, Kim's been around a while. She knows Tennessee as as the Tennessee that that a lot of us followed, obviously, uh, fifteen, twenty, twenty five years ago when when that program was the, the the standard of women's college basketball. That's that's obviously not the current state of uh, of affairs in the in the NCAA with uh, with women's hoops. But Tennessee trying to get back to that point, as you said, they're they're not there, you know, at at, at UConn's level right now, and that's. That sort of showed up last night. You know, UConn got off to a great start. Tennessee battled back, uh, had, a, had a nice finish to the first half and kind of got back in the game, but just, just not enough to hang with UConn for, for four quarters. Uh, you know, I think, I think Gino Ariema, you know, he, certainly he got, he got a lot of questions about the, the, the rivalry and just sort of the status of it. And, you know, he, he kind of acknowledged it. it's probably not at the, uh, at the level it was back in its heyday, of course, in the 90s and 2000s. But, um, the the fact that it was being played, that it was on a national stage with college game day in town, it, it was it was fun to see that, uh, and and it's it's good for the sport. I think that that rivalry has been revived a bit, and, and we'll see you know long term how how much that continues. But uh, at least a good test for the Lady Vols as they continue to try to just try try to pick up some momentum uh, here in the second half of the season and and try to get ready for a possible postseason run. They're not you know they're not not where they thought they would be at this point, but still a team that. You know, feisty enough, I think, to cause some problems for some teams if they can sort of pick it up and play better here uh, over the next several weeks. By the way, college game day, Tennessee is like the home for college game day, right? Aren't they the only school to have college game day for football, men's and women's basketball? Yeah, they had the women's That's, yesterday and yep. then the basketball tomorrow, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, they they are the first to, to have that feather in their cap, and that's uh, yeah, they're they're certainly going to enjoy that this weekend. The, the, the Texas basketball game on Saturday, that should be another fun one with that uh, 5 o'clock Central time uh, t- tip for that game and uh, a, a lot of anticipation about that. People are excited that Tennessee's playing another marquee home game. They've not had a, a very exciting home schedule this year, really. Just well, that Georgia game, game was a snoozer, right? I mean, I, come on. I was falling yeah, asleep well, watching that game. <laughs> I would say the Kentucky game was a marquee game. It just didn't oh, turn I, out I, well. I <laughs> That's what I was saying. The Kentucky was the only, really the only marquee home game so far, and, and Kentucky – Although not at the level they normally are, that, that that game didn't go well for Tennessee. But yeah, people are excited about that one tomorrow being a top ten matchup, and you know Rick Barnes obviously facing his former school. But uh, yeah, that's as you said uh, that that game against Georgia the other night not not the most exciting. And, and Tennessee's <laughs> had a bunch of those this year, but that's that's to their credit. They're playing tremendous defense. Mm. Uh, what eight games so far this year? They've held opponents under fifty points. Um, that's that that leads the nation, I believe. So they. They're uh, they're playing really impressive defense, and if they keep that up, there, you know, that defense travels in the in the postseason. It's not the most exciting brand of basketball for a lot of people to watch, but if they can keep that up, it makes it a lot easier to endure some of those days when you aren't shooting your best, as we've seen from this team from time to time. Well, listen, I covered Ben Howland and then Jamie Dixon at Pitt for a lot of years, and 
you know, it, they're all defense and rebounding. I covered, you know, I saw a lot of games like what we saw the other night against Georgia. How How is Tennessee from an injury standpoint, uh, Ryan? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think in a in a in a pretty good spot uh, right now, about as uh, as well as could be expected for this time of year. Uh, not not anything that you expect to be significant, uh, but they've they've been mostly healthy going into this game, and uh, they'll we'll, we'll see how they how they are uh, coming out of this. But yeah, a couple months out from the NCAA tournament, they're 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 kind of where you would expect them to be, and things are kind of status quo from uh, from from Wednesday night as of right now. Well, and they got in small ball, right? They moved uh, in in a lot of places. Uh, uh, Josiah Jordan James to the four, uh, and and so they've gotten quicker, I think, and and can extend on defense as well. They they have some different lineups they can use for sure. You know, we'll we'll see how much they continue to use Josiah Jordan James at the at the four. Um, that that's that's certainly one one lineup that gives them their uh, a, a, another good option there. But yeah, they they can go they can go big if they need to uh, with with Rose Plopsic and uh, Jonas Adu and you know some different guys like that that they they rotate through. Obviously Olivier Kamwa uh, and, and Julian Phillips. Uh, the, their big thing is just sort of you know finding what works. Uh, they they've got some different different combinations that have worked well at times, but uh, nothing that's just been consistently effective. I, I still think a big key for this team the rest of the way is going to be. Can they get Julian Phillips as a as a as a big time prospect, a freshman still finding his way? Can they get him to sort of that that level that you see freshmen sometimes hit uh, toward toward the end of their first year? You know, we've seen some guys uh, in the past uh, at Tennessee sort of take another step as they get into February and March and, and sort of get past that freshman wall we hear about all the time. If he can do that, it could take this team to another level because he. He really could be a difference maker. They need that additional offensive presence in the post. He's given them that at times, but it's just not been consistently enough. Olivier Kamwa's had 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 a rough stretch here race, uh, recently, or at least some up and down performances lately. So they need to get more of a consistent post presence, and that's why I think you've seen that smaller lineup at times. But it does give them some nice options to be able to, you know, have that two, that 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 double point guard look sort of with with Ziegler in the starting lineup and that. Um, that that look with with uh, Josiah Jordan James at the four, you know, they can do some different things if they are struggling. But that's that's the key, I think, is to get a more consistent scoring presence in the post. Ryan Callahan, twenty four seven. Tell people how to get in touch. What you guys have going on? We don't ask you that enough as yeah, we get, get your out. Plugs yeah, in, Ryan. plug your stuff. Yeah, lots of uh, obviously if you follow recruiting, but always a good time to check out the site. A lot going on this weekend with Tennessee holding a junior day tomorrow, sort of to, to coincide with that big basketball game tomorrow night. Uh, but yeah, that and obviously basketball coverage. Uh, continue to follow Tennessee's uh, search for a tight ends coach that is yet to, to be wrapped up. Um, so, so plenty of team news there as we continue through the off season and, and move towards spring practice. We now have a date for the. Orange and white game, uh, April fifteenth. That was announced this week, um, so that'll be here before you know it. So uh, we got you, got you covered on all those all those fronts, along with baseball just around the corner at, at GoVols two four seven dot com. Uh, so check out the site right now. You can sign up for one dollar for the first month uh, to join in if you're not already on there. Ryan, have a great weekend. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Ryan. Anytime. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, Ryan Callahan, GoVols twenty four seven. Ryan Callahan twenty four seven on.